Hello friends and welcome back to the Snakes Cast. It's Friday today and I have Jonathan and Margaret with me once again. Hey friends. Hello. Hi David. And we're going to finish our discussion this week on the uh, importance and uh, relevance of the theme in the So I want to start this one off because I think a really interesting point came up on Monday that I wanted to wait and, and touch on now because we're kind of going to move into a little bit of rule-breaking games where, uh, you know, they don't quite fit the discussion we've had so far, uh, and also games where we feel like we, we want the opposite of what we normally would. But Seven Wonders, uh, mm. Margaret, you were talking about at some length, and something in what you were saying there, that logic of you built the library and you built the bath and you were happy because you had this kind of cool civilization. But Seven Wonders is a game where I don't think most players while playing it will go, oh, the theatre's come out. I really want that. Mm. They see the card that is going to benefit them currently in their civilization. I'm sure there are a few people who do do that. And I, ironically, I do that in Seven Wonders Duel. If the theatre comes out and it's an equal blue cards opportunity, I will take it. But I won't if there's something there that is going to better my game more. Mm. And I am a thematic gamer. Mm-hmm. And yet there can be that satisfaction of looking back at the end and going, ah, oh, I built this really cultural, we may not be that scientific, but damn, we got culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever it is. Scoville, I always feel like I've done well in Scoville if I cook the spice must flow. Um, which I'm sure Jonathan will appreciate greatly. Uh, which, for those who don't know, Scoville, game about growing chilies, uh, growing chili peppers and cooking chili, and that's one of the chilies you can, you can cook. And I feel I've won a personal victory if I cook that. It's not a thematic game. No. But there's this odd little bit of theme that comes out of it at the end for me that makes me all happy. So what, what is it about that? What is it, these games that kind of cross that boundary, either the whole time, or playing one way, but resulting almost in something different, potentially, if you see it? This sort of comes back to, I think, what Margaret was mentioning about Unearth as well, about how yeah. little plastic pieces, these dice, wind up taking on a personality which emerges over the course of play. Mm-hmm. As you were talking about your experience with Seven Wonders, I can't help but thinking about another game called Suburbia, which is a game where the players make little suburbs yes. around a central city. And... Um, by the time you get to the end of the game, my favorite thing about this game by far is to look at the little burbs that each of us has created and imagine what life would be like for people living there. <laughs> like, we've got the slaughterhouse next door to the elementary school, which is definitely not good for property values in that area, but look at it's, but look at that radioactive waste dump that you have next to the public park over in yours. Um, <laughs> it's... It, it, sometimes... Just what emerges from that, and the little the little goals that you do as well. Like one player was the miscreant who was trying to the lowest reputation possible. It's like, oh, I was Mayor Rob Ford the whole time. Mm. Um, <laughs> these are things that wind up being a delight. But like you were saying in your own games, they they don't typically emerge from somebody setting out to role play as a, per- a particular character, but rather they they emerge naturally from trying to play well, from trying to succeed well in the game, mm-hmm. and resulting in things that they would never have put together narratively, mm-hmm. and which form these strange and amusing combinations and implications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting, I mean, I'm just thinking back to Unearth um, again, because it's the most uh, accessible example from, from my memory right now. Um, the, the idea that a low dice roll can simply be a low dice roll, or it can mean, oh, my diggers are tired. Like, they didn't get very far today. That's okay, guys. Like, you, you found some gems. And, and the, the ability to let this endearing little plot develop is, is very fascinating and, I think, difficult to find with 
simple games, right? The elegant games, the ones that are are really easily taught, you know, very quickly explained. Well, and then the it's the player's job to to make it complex. They're less necessary in those kinds of games as well. I think that the more complex your game is, the more heavily it needs to lean on theme in order to make sure that those rules that you have to remember are going to make sense enough, are going to be intuitive enough mm. to be able to remember them. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Greg Kostekian, I think, did this as an exercise once. I'm, I'm going to teach you how to play a game. Um, in which uh, everybody has a certain amount of hit points to start with, and when you take damage, you lose hit points. And um, as you move um, around the board, you can do damage to yourself in order to plant landmines, which will cause other players to lose hit points when they step on them, and you gain hit points when they do that as well. And if you're able to mine an entire area, you can then damage yourself even further to cause those mines to do more damage. And uh, if uh, and, and if you take so much damage that you're going to die, you're going to get to zero hit points and be out of the game, then you can heal yourself a little bit by causing the mines that you laid before to become less damaging so that the, if the other players stand, step on them afterwards. And you might even actually trade these mines with the other players. Um, okay, so how easy a time do you think you'd have remembering how to play this game? Oh my god. Doesn't make any sense at all. No. So substitute money for hit points, and I've just taught you how to play Monopoly. Huh. And now it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I'm buying properties. When you land on them, you have to pay me rent. Right. If I have a Monopoly on properties in a particular area, I can spend money to develop them, and now you have to pay me a lot more money when you land on them. Hmm. This is the power of theme as far as making a game easier to learn. Mm-hmm. It's been said that every game is abstract once you strip away the theme. And so if you're going to make a complicated game, you kind of have to hang a theme on it in order to make it possible to remember all the details that players are going to be expected to to be able to even play the thing. Mm-hmm. I think this is also a lesson as to how picking the appropriate theme is also incredibly important. Yes. Because your landmine story there is almost impossible to follow. Mm-hmm. But if you're just running around a board and running into hotels and having to pay somebody rent when you land on their property... I mean, we, we're conditioned because we know Monopoly. <laughs> but in my head, that makes the game rule you were trying to describe a lot more sensible. Mm-hmm. So if I were going to try to teach you, for example, Dead of Winter without mentioning the fact that there are zombies. There are just these, these, there are these tokens out there which cause your uh, numbered cards to disappear if there are more of these other tokens than there are of you. Then that's hard to follow. But if I tell you there are zombies out there and they're going to eat you if there's enough of them to be able to break through your barricades, yeah. that follows much more easily and much more naturally. And teaching games, I have a tendency to lean on... Like for example, if I ever teach Unearth. There is now no way on earth I'm going to not use that trick that you did with those low-numbered dice rolls, to inf- not only to impart personality to these pieces, but also to help people to remember mm-hmm. and, to, and to make sense of this so the rules become not only elegant, but also intuitive mm-hmm. and easy to follow. Uh, the less trouble someone has interacting with the rules, the more effort they can expend in interacting with the game and with their fellow players. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I really love about the games that I've sort of collected for myself at home is that they're really easy to teach. They're easy to to sell to people if they, you know, we have some people over and we say, hey, let's play a game. If it's going to take a half an hour to even just describe how the hell you're <laughs> supposed to play it, much less teach it, everyone's going to go, oh, my God, like we don't have time for that. Unless they're so engaged by the theme 
that that becomes part of the entertainment for them. True. If all of your friends, for example, happen to be huge fans of Game of Thrones, and you're going to teach them a very deep and complicated Game of Thrones game, Mm. they'll probably sit still for that. Mm -hmm. The ones who aren't fans of that story, no way. No way. It's a a, a make-or-break thing, I think, for a lot of people, the specific theme. And if you're trying to get more of your friends, or I should say, if I am trying to get more of my friends (laughs) to be interested in trying new games... Or even just guests at the cafe, mm-hmm. getting people who don't really know where to start into games. The simpler it is to describe and, and the simpler it is to teach, at least from my end of things, I, I'm not a guru. So the line through a game teach, is, it doesn't come as naturally to me. So the easier it is for me to explain it to them in a way that makes sense the easier, the more likely they are to say, yeah, you know what, we'll give it a try. The um, the challenge is to get to the fun part as quickly as possible. Yeah. Wherever the fun part happens to be for the particular group of players that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. There are people and circumstances in which learning the intricacies and details of a game can be part of the fun. But for a lot of other people, the fun part is when I've, I start getting good at the game. For a lot of people, the fun part is when I have now mastered this game and there's nothing else I can learn about it. And I can now chat about other things while the game's going on in the background. Mm. Um you have to meet people where they are, ultimately. And theme is one of those things that is a tool for achieving that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to ask you something. Have yeah. you ever played any role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, that sort of thing, where you played as the role of a character in a story? Surprisingly, as a theater person, no. Hmm. I haven't. Is um, it, was it ever something that held any interest for you? Not in particular. Hmm. I actually don't know why that doesn't interest me, but I, I think... A large part of it is to do with I I like my games to be fiddly. Like I like them to be physically interactive. I love being able to manipulate and engage with Right, the tactile element of the game is so important. I want to be able to, you know, interact with the aesthetics of the game and really appreciate the craftsmanship that's gone into the game itself, you know, whether they're even just mahjong tiles, you know, it's really, they just make such a satisfying sound and the mechanic is a familiar one. It's very similar to lots of popular card games, but you know, the the images are really delicately painted on and it's just, it's the whole experience of the game that I, I really enjoy. I may need to introduce you to some of the beautiful polyhedral dice that I use in my various role-playing <laughs> games and some of the tactile experience I get from that, as well as the other tokens and figures and, um, and things like If When I have players at my table who like to draw or write, I always make sure that there are plenty of colored pencils and paper at the table so that they always have something they can use mm. to sort of express themselves in the moment. Um, but, yeah, perhaps... Perhaps there is a way in there. Because for, for, for me, narrative in games is such an enormous part of the joy of it. Mm-hmm. And while I do love the aesthetic experience, the pure experience of a mechanical game and how satisfying it is to delve into its systems and to appreciate the tactility of its pieces, for me, those are only part of it. And unless I reach a point where I can identify with a character in that world and live as them for a little while in this imaginary place, Mm. I haven't truly played. Mm. And 
that's just a me thing. Not everyone needs to enjoy games the same way I do. But it makes me want to try to invite you in to have you sample that little <laughs> universe and see if I can't draw you into it. For me, it feels like, and I mean, this is just without actually having tried it. So it's sure. a bit presumptuous of me to, to have that. It's presumptuous of me to think that but you would do enjoy in the first to, place. To me, the idea of something like D&D is the least satisfying pieces of the two worlds I really enjoy. Mm. So I really enjoy gaming with mechanics and, and enjoying the, the craftsmanship of the designer. And then with acting, I enjoy deriving character from text and bringing that to life in a room full of people where we're all playing by the same rules. And I know that sounds very similar to RPG, but for me, it's very different from... And the idea that your character could die, and it just, like, that... It's like the show closing before... (laughs) You're ready for closing night, you know? It's like going on stage, yay, we opened, oh, we're done now. There's so much nuance. It's so cruel. And I um so much there. Yeah, I I either want to be in rehearsal for a show that I'm gonna do, or I wanna sit down and play Unearth or King Domino. Or <laughs> like I want one or the other. I don't want a foot in both worlds because that's just there's something unsatisfying about that. And there could be any number of other reasons too why people would prefer to have theme either be something that provides an aesthetic component, a pedagogical component, but not necessarily an immersive component Mm -hmm. to a game. Well, that's a fantastic discussion there. I think there's a lot of food for thought for a lot of people who may have not approached board games in one way or the other. Uh, And I think, you know, we're talking obviously here about the importance of theme, but there can also be a lot of stress placed on not theme as well. I'd also like to say there's no wrong way to enjoy it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We are very much approaching this from the idea of why is this such a prevalent concept in gaming and by no means are saying that it is the right one. We just happen to be theme-oriented people, you and I, Jonathan. Uh, And Margaret, obviously you have this interesting balance between the two that's actually quite fascinating and I think is making me think about how I perceive games now, which is really cool. Me too. (laughs) So thank you for that. You're welcome. But yeah, and if you happen to be someone who just doesn't care about theme at all, that's fine. Because there's a lot of games out there for you as well, and we will talk about those very probably in the sort of antithetical episode sometime in the future, because I think that would also be a very interesting discussion. Excellent. But for now, uh, that's all that we're going to have time for this week. Thank you so much to Jonathan and Margaret for joining me today. This has been a great pleasure. Thank, Thank you for having, having us. us. <laughs> You can get in touch with us at podcast at snakes and lattes if you would like to ask any questions, to discuss anything that we have talked about on this episode, or just to say hi if you would like. The Snakes Cast is produced by Dax Audio and music is provided by Ben Sound. Tune in next week when we are going to discuss trick taking games, a very interesting and older form of gaming that's been around for a lot longer than many of the games that we play these days. The opinions expressed on the Snakes Cast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. We will see you next week. Bye for now. Thank you.